Good evening, Patriots. And it's Friday, still, <laughs> March 4th, 20, in the year 2022. You know, these things that we are immersed in right now will continue to try us for some time. And it's such an ebb and a flow of extremes between fear and panic and then to calm and this natural feeling of recovery, which is the cycles they have us in right now, very intentionally too, I might add, because it gives people this moment of reprieve and then they tend to forget about what they just went through. And we're going to see a lot of that as we go forward and much of that's going to fall on us to make some very solid decisions on the paths that we take. Before we begin tonight, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. That's the warrior's coffee of our time. It's coffee designed in part by Dr. Eric Naputi. It's a coffee that's been engineered to give you that caffeine boost you need and then a sustained energy across the entire day, as well as very clear and heightened mental focus while boosting your immune system. Expedition Coffee is part of a whole collective of products that work together to help build your the strength in your overall body health and reclaim your health sovereignty. And you can see all those products at Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. And those include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. We also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract. And there is Earth, which is a full body nutrient supplement in a powder. You mix it like a sh- with water, like a drink it like a shake. It's everything your body needs for the full day. And Pure 47, which is one of the most refined silver extracts currently on the market and a must have for your medical cabinet since it can isolate most of the known pathogens that we confront. So head on over to Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Patriots, I want to begin by reading a poem from Robert Frost called The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And by one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then I took then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as far that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves not step, hard trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on the way, I doubted if I could ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I really think that this poem speaks very deeply to where we all are, and it equally speaks to a passage that I've read very frequently, if not every night, sometimes at least every other night, and that's Jeremiah 6.16, which was given to me while at Bard's Fest. And much of this just depends on the choices that we make now and the directions that we go. This cycles that we're in are intended and are engineered through masterful propagandists and masterful social engineers to wear people down, no matter where you sit on the spectrum politically. They're intended to wear you down until finally people will capitulate and give in to an NWO, a new world order. But it's really not a new world order. I think what we're, if we really open our eyes, we're going to realize that the N in NWO has nothing to do with new. It has everything to do with Nazi world order. This is a Reich that is rising up around us. And it's the integration of this new age of, of a, like a fourth Reich, the third Reich, to stand up the world in their control where everything is subjugated to their will. And hence one of the reasons that Ukraine has caught so much attention and flair is that it has hit a nerve. 
and in the process is exposing some things that those in control are starting to panic a bit. And they're exposing our open dealings in setting up neo-Nazi governments, our underhanded ways in toppling governments, the manipulation of elections, the the trafficking of children, etc. There is no condoning of war, I want to be clear about that, but it is nonetheless paths now that we have to begin to take and take hard, firm stands on. And while I witness what I witness in, in this current conflict, I've made it clear that as I've talked heavily about the perspective of the Russian perspective, as much as we can glean that perspective, and the perspective of Putin, as much as we can put together pieces, at least to look at things from a different angle, politics is not going to lead us to the success that we need. Politics, in the end of the day, are rigged. And no matter what one claims or one wants to believe, when we begin to worship the idols of politics and put our hope in the idols of men, or even trying to build delusions around ourselves of trying to say that these people are anointed to do the job of God, we're not taking the responsibility of choosing the path that God would want us to walk on. We were not put here on this earth to worship men, though we do, because I think in the absence of God, we are wired to worship. That I believe. I think we are hardwired to worship. And sadly, what happens is that we, in the place of God, And in a world that has pushed God off to the side, Jesus becomes a Sunday afternoon drive-through or Sunday morning drive-through where we quickly get reconfirmed on our salvation. The rest of the week, we meander through the, the desert of idols and false prophets to try to figure our way alone and forget that we're walking every breath and step or should be with Father. And when we do put ourselves truly in that walk with Father, we walk in a different reality. That's as simple as it can take. One of the best quotes I've heard today was somebody that posted this and said, I never imagined a time where I could stand next to somebody in line and literally both of us living in two completely different realities. That's the bifurcation that I've spoken of for almost a year now that was coming, and we're here now. And it's taken on the form where we literally have people living side by side in different realities. And those realities are actually not that diverse. We have one reality that's consumed in fear and willfully accepting a slave-type society and existence because they find comfort in that worship. That worship leads ultimately, like the wide gate, it leads to their destruction. But it's a path that they have chosen. And more importantly, it's a path that's been well-trodden because so many other people walked it there. They felt safety in numbers. For those that have stepped away from that path, it's been a hard path. It's truly the path less traveled. And that path is one that we had to and has have to continue to walk carefully upon, but we find that we can walk more boldly. We find that we can walk with more steady foot because as we've walked that path and embraced deeply the guidance and the love of God, we find that that path is the only natural path that we can be on. And I, to requote the last line in Robert Frost's poem, and that has made all the difference. And that is the relationship we have with God as we walk the narrow gate and we walk this other path. But there is no middle ground here. A lot of what we have to face, though, is we have to face that as we walk along, there is going to be many things we have to leave behind. We're going to have to go through and are continuing to go through the loss. It's It's a cycle of death. And that loss is one that we have to confront and let go of our idols, let go of the things that we were clinging on to in order for this path to really show its true strength and its true prosperity. This reminds me of a poem by Walt Whitman, O Captain, My Captain. I'm going to read that now. O Captain, my Captain, our fearful trip is done. 
The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The port is near. The bells I hear. The people are exulting. While follow, follow eyes the steady keel, the vessel grim and daring. But, O oh heart, 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 O oh the bleeding drops of red, where on the deck my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. O oh captain, my captain, rise up and hear the bells. Rise up, for you the flag is flung, for you the bulge trills. For you, banquets and ribboned wreaths, for you the shores so crowding, for you they call the swaying mass, their eager faces turning. Here, Captain, dear Captain, this arm beneath your head, it is some dream that on the deck you've fallen cold and dead. My Captain does not answer, his lips are pale and still, my father does not feel my arm, he has no pulse nor will. The ship is anchored safe and sound, its voyage closed and done. From fearful trip the victor ship comes in with object one. Exalt, O shores, and ring, O bells, but I with mournful tread walk the deck my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. When I read this poem, it's really, it resonates very deeply with the walk that we're now making and probably the challenges, in my opinion, that so many are feeling. And it's the challenges of having to face a world, a new way, not that we don't embrace it, not that we don't walk it with excitement in, in, the, in the, the love of Christ, but there's still a very mournful space of what we've lost. We aren't going to get through this without feeling that sort of pain, and I think we have to be real, real with ourselves. We can be energized by the realizations that this time brings, the realizations of where truths lie, what deceptions have fallen upon us, those sorts of realizations that separate us from them, this kind of control matrix of narrative. But at the same time, there's a sadness. And I see this sadness almost every day with my parents. It's a sadness of, of an ideal. It's the ideals that have literally fallen cold and dead. What this country was supposed to be, what it, they believed it to be. And as we tear back the truths for so many to witness the pain of realizing that it was all a lie, at least much of it. It's not that the people are bad. It's not that we are as a people all corrupted, but we have been led astray because we trusted in others that never had their intentions pure. And as a nation, we drifted far away from God. I think that's, the deeper truths. And as we suffer through this time, and we must suffer through this time, it's going to require that we find our place next to the throne again. And the only way to get there is to repent. Our nation is in a bad place. And I guess I would kind of turn the tables just to think about something for a minute. And in no way is this advocating for anything, but I want you to think about this just a moment. Let's say that a country like China had openly paid for the research on a virus and a vaccine that was launched against us as Americans. And we knew it. And this virus caused panic and we knew that the media was funded by them and then we discovered that on top of that that a country like China had bioweapons labs on our borders north and south that they had moved in to literally destroy most of the American public and they had been waging a war with fascists on our ground burning children, burning families, kind of the sorts of things that Zelensky's government's been doing to Donbass. If we had heard that a counterstrike was made on China 
And we had heard that this country that had been waging war against us and many other countries around the world was now suffering the consequence of, say, a counter vaccine or another vaccine. The darkness of this is that we as the American public would probably celebrate that hearing of the death of many innocents as a rightful punishment for a country that had been waging, waging destruction on the world. It's a disturbing thought, but it's a, true, it's a true one. And the problem is when we have to sit back now and swallow the hard red pill that we as a nation have been part of developing weapon systems that have been not only used around the world to kill innocents, but now is that same weapon system is being deployed on its own people and it's being supported by its own government to do so. You have to wonder what the rest of the world is thinking, if they even care, or do they think it's a justified outcome? Because if you look at this from a theological perspective, one could argue that we have been, we're now receiving the just penance or wrath or wrath that we've earned. Again, I'm not making that claim, but it's a perspective that I think we have to keep in mind because it puts a responsibility and an onus on us as people of what needs to be done. We have been enormously complacent. We have been enormously willing to accept some concept of a phantom known as Q, the white hats that we've never met that have somehow been waging a secret war to save us all while the horrors continue. That's the part that we have to swallow and realize is that as a public, we haven't done much to stop. We've been waiting again for someone to fix it for us. And we are now at a precipice, an important one, literally in making a choice of a path. Are we going to take the road that we've taken before, or are we going to choose the road not taken? This sits before us now in a very critical way. And it reads right out of Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says. Stand by the ways and seek and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find resting place for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. It's a challenging moment for all of us in this nation. More challenging for some than others. But the challenging part is that where we have to walk the ancient path or the path less trodden is a path that we don't know where it leads. But we do know one thing. We know that God has us. We know that God's leading us. And we know that God has, will make sure that we have all that we need. It is literally an exodus. And it's an exodus of a spiritual nature. And it's an exodus It's for some in the physical nature. Nonetheless, if we continue to convince ourselves that we are going to make things better by replaying the same record over and over and over and replaying and reacting out the same play in the same movie, following the same script but thinking that if we vote differently or we vote more that it's going to change the outcome, that's not taking the path less trodden. That's taking the same path, just putting on a set another set of sunglasses. Our difficult choices lie ahead. Now, no matter what happens in the truths that will hopefully be revealed, but even that isn't assured. But saying that we, as we go forward here, that more truths are revealed, let's just say we'll take even the brightest op- optimistic view that President Trump will somehow be reset as president and the White Hats will somehow execute a masterful coup to take all these people out and reset the nation. That's the big question, is how are we going to reset? Are we going to go back and turn to those people that have been despicable in Congress, have a, have a government that's overburdened and overfunded by tax dollars? Are we going to rely on the people that we do elect to somehow magically extract those people in the government to make it smaller, that they're all willfully going to walk away, the same people that endorse things like the monies used to line their pocket while they've taken money away from the poor, the same government that has not put a cent towards homeless 
issues and yet openly funds for 5.4 billion to a Nazi government of Ukraine. This is where our awareness of politics and our morality have to start taking a hard stand and we have to choose, in my opinion, a path that's different. And that's ultimately seeking the ancient paths. One of the greatest gifts that we've been given in this period of time is that God has provided us with an ability to see clearly, but also to realize that we've done just fine without any leadership. As a nation, as a people, we've done just fine. There have been moments we've seen with great disappointment the true faces of evil, and we're seeing more and more of them right now as we find more people literally siding with this idea of calling for an assassination of a foreign country, of another country's president, a president, by the way, that they chose. Their people chose. And now we have politicians, we have actors, we have social media pundits all saying that it's okay to remove him. What arrogance, what absolute arrogance. And a country that's led by arrogance is not a country that is being blessed by God nor in the graces of God. And I'll tell you, unless we are bold about it and speak up and start making a path, I am concerned about what comes to this country, not by anybody other than the hand of God. We have been too quiet. We have been too complacent. We have been too willing to just brush these off as small events. Words are of life and death. Words give life and death. And it's a very serious statement. And I think the greatest challenge in all of this is the reality that we have also been given dominion. How many times have I read this here? And it's because it's so prevalent to where we are, which is Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. All the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. And yet we allow the enemy to control us. God gave us sanction to fix this problem. Our Declaration of Independence gave us sanction to fix this problem. Not only sanction, our Declaration of Independence says that as a citizen of the United States, it is our duty to fix this problem. Name another country that has that in their rules. And yet we stand by, we go to rallies, and we try to find the way that someone else is going to do it for us. Obedience to tyranny or defiance to tyranny, each come with a cost. Nothing is free. Obedience to tyranny is a, is a cost of your soul, ultimately, in this day and age. Defiance to tyranny at least will give you life, but it doesn't mean it will be easy. In fact, it won't be. This current state of tyranny has incubated itself with the most advanced technologies, quietly, stealthily, working around the back end, weaving itself into every person's lives, corrupting everything we touch, making us dependent upon systems in one way or another that we are not easily separated from. And for many, they don't even know where to begin. I see comments every time I bring this up is, I need resources, I need help, I need direction. The resource and help and direction always begins in the same place, through prayer and listening to God. But it also means that we have a lot of work to do, each and every one of us. In the last six months, I have built a paper library, meaning a library of paper books, uh, in several hundred books on things and skills that, as I sit and I look at it, is things and skills that we all need and ironically probably all had at one point in time, and now they sit on shelves of books, shelves and shelves of in books that it's things I'm rereading to relearn, many of which I've done, but it's been a long time, and some of which I've never done, which we have to learn, because all of this is about going back to go forward. And it's not going to be easy. None of this is going to be an easy walk for us to reclaim what we need. So it's a matter of choosing the paths. If we want the paths to be easy, if we want this new golden age to roll in, which is what some are claiming, we have to always keep in perspective that the golden age will come at a cost. Nothing is for free. 
if you're going to have technologies that edit genes and technologies that integrate AI into our lives, ask yourself what the cost is and is it worth it? Because so much of what's going on right now is the control of who leads humanity with the current state of technologies. Because as I've said so many times, almost everybody agrees on one principal issue. The fourth industrial revolution is coming, they say. It's not a choice. We're going to have robotics. We're going to have artificial intelligence part of our lives. We're going to have 5G or 6G type communication as part of our lives. We're going to have transhumanism as a choice or a mandate, depending on who wins. We're going to be promised great things in terms of speed of travel and opportunities to enhance your capabilities as a human being against, again, through augmentation promises of unlimited healing with advanced technologies, which invariably will lead to nanotech, some sort of genetic injection, the ability to live in a virtual world where you can augment your reality and include more information and data, or even live in virtual spaces that don't physically exist. All of this is going to continue forward according to what each of these two elite factions are saying. Again, what path are we going to choose? Because they're giving us a sounding board as if there are two paths, when in fact their two paths are the same path, it's just how we get to the destination. But I always choose the path that puts Christ first. And when we do that, the world looks pretty different. And when we have Christ as our way of walking, that love and that body of Christ that we walk with, the, with God as the voice of reason in all of this and our guidance and our love, we then sit, sit back and ask ourselves what truly any of these things mean and if they're even worth anything at all. One thing that's happening right now is you may not be paying attention to and you wouldn't necessarily know is that as we are seeing the squeeze of resources, you're finding gas costs going up. They're having a war on cash, meaning they're trying to take cash out of circulation. You're having a shortage of goods coming from overseas. There's also a shortage now of paper and a shortage of printers to print on paper so that paper books are getting harder and harder to publish. The only way you'll get your book is if it's digital. And why would that be? Well, we know why that would be because once you push everything to digital, it's necessary. It's capable of editing it. Even after you say you write a manuscript and you submit it and they don't like something that in it later on. Think about this. You write a manuscript do a self-publishing even, you publish a book, it goes into the digital sphere, it's not, it's not a printable version, everything is digital, and somebody in the Truth Commission decides somewhere down the way that what you wrote isn't appropriate anymore, they can go back and change the entire text and still have your name on it and the original publication date. This is the bizarro world that we're living in. We have to get back to basics and there is no other way but through this. The only way through, the only way forward is through it. And to do that, we have to make the hard choices. Do you want to live in a world where everything is digital or do you want to get back to writing on paper and using pen and pencil? Have you bought pen and pencils lately? I have. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. And, and I say that, like, I use pens and pencils to do my daily planner every day. But then you have to start thinking about having enough around if there's a shortage. What about a pen? Have you used a ballpoint pen or do you use an inkwell pen? And if you have an inkwell pen, at least then you, as long as you have ink, you always have something to write with because you can make ink. See, these are the sorts of things, the fundamentals that we have to get back to to think about. Right now, when we think of printing, we press a button and it prints on a press. As late as the 1950s, people were still using an offset press at home to do printing. 
how many people know how to use an offset press these days. And offset presses of that size, which were tabletop offset presses, are around, but they're rare. What used to be a common item, now you have to find one that's restored or you have the ability to restore it. You have to know where to get ink rollers. You have to know where to get the, the typeset. All of these things, skills that were commonplace are now lost, replaced with replaced with convenience of a button and a digital feed. Again, what paths are we going to choose? Very important questions because going ahead, things are going to get different. We're seeing the collapse of the dollar. We're seeing a, We're looking around at our world and realizing how little we manufacture here anymore, how dependent we are upon corporate systems. We all have to start making a change And it can't wait. It's not something that you can delay and say next week, next year. You have to start now. What happens if you can't get gunpowder? Can you shoot a bow? Can you make your arrows? Can you fletch your own arrows? Can you make your your arrowheads? What about fishing? If If you don't have a rod, can you make a rod? You see, these are all skills. Even in my father's age that they did, they understood. My dad's high school wood shop built the gun cabinet that we still have, the cedar chest for my grandmother that we still have, and learned how to do all sorts of other amazing things in wood that today most of those skills have been removed from education. In fact, in his era, when you went through high school wood shop and you left, you were skilled enough to open your own cabinet shop when you left high school. So do you have the tools that not power tools, everyone can get power tools, but do you have the hand tools? Do you have the planes? You have the scrapers, you have the chisels, you have the saws. See all of these things that we've taken for granted. Suddenly we have to reconsider all of this because we have to start falling on a place to start being more independent, not dependent. And I'm not trying to suggest that somehow that all the electricity is going to go out, but that's definitely a possibility. And when you factor that in, then you have to start thinking very differently. A lot of people are moving to places where they're saying, okay, I'm going to use solar off the grid. Okay, that's great. I I think it's awesome. I looked at doing it in my own house. But here's the challenge. What happens when a circuit goes bad? Who's going to replace it? Who's going to make the fix for it? Do you have a a backup for every single digital component in that system? Do you know how to repair it yourself? That's what we're getting at. We're having to get back to things that we don't depend on people or depend on the experts that are trained in a very narrow field. That division of labor was done intentionally to keep us dependent on them. So are we going to choose the ancient paths or are we going to say, no, we won't walk in it? This is how... For the last five, six years, I've lived, and longer than that, in fact, because I started working this model back in 1991. I remember when I began, and I started to look at what it was like to live live completely independent of a system. And everything in your mindset when you walk that path, whether you do it or not, but when you build your plan, you realize how many skills you need. You start to have to think about How are you going to do, what about clothing? Do you have a sewing machine? Do you know how to use a sewing machine? Is your sewing machine electric or is it manual? Does it use a foot treadle or does it going to use an electric motor? Can you repair either one of those? Do you have backup parts? Do you know how to sew? Like I said, can you sew? They used to. It was commonplace to sew, to make clothing. Not now. See, these are all things, the basic skills that used to be around. And what it did is it created a resiliency within life. It created a less, a lower, a less dependent society and a society that ultimately was probably more free and definitely more connected, in my opinion, to God. 
But as we've stripped away those things and put our lives more dependent on consumption, which is where we are these days, we don't spend time thinking about what we're going to make, choosing a pattern, choosing the material, then sewing it, and then taking pride at, at both its perfectionists and imperfections that are created, and then maturing our skills to become a better person with a, to a better clother or make cloth, clothing maker. We instead, we go to Walmart or we go to some place online or we go to some other store, be it Macy's or Nordstrom's or whatever that is to find what we're looking for. We grumble when things don't fit right because the last they use don't fit us exactly. We go through racks of clothing to find the perfect fit <laughs> and making sure that we're well in style. All dependent on somebody else. Look, modern society's offered certain conveniences and it's freed us to, apparently, it was supposed to free us to do other things. The same promise you're hearing now with this universal basic income. That when we offer this, it's going to free you and open you up to do other things. And yet, what are the other pursuits that we've gone for the most? Arguably, one of the greatest pursuits that humanity's done is surfing on the web and shopping. It's quite an accomplishment for the 21st century human being. So all of this said, the bright spot is that we have a moment to take a choice. The bright spot is that we have an opportunity to start choosing a path less trodden. The bright spot is that we have a moment to mourn, perhaps, captain my captain, the idea of those things that we were used to that are now dead, but to let them go and to realize that we've been victorious if we choose the right way. Christ won this fight long ago. We know that, but that doesn't take away our responsibility of what we have to do on a daily basis. It's not a free meal ticket. And that part, unfortunately, is too much part of the modern day teachings of, of faith. That somehow, that once we get saved, it's all good, or I'm all good, and I'll just see you at the end. We have a responsibility here. And our responsibility is to continue that path of growing ourselves. And part of that is to become less dependent, not more dependent. At least, that's how I see things. Seeking to be a sovereign individual as God would intend, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness does not say you will get your credit card and spend it to limit and become dependent on Walmarts and Amazons. And that's where the real challenge is. So I would say that this is an opportunity now for all of us to take time and pray, to seek and to start digging into the skills we need. County by county and the model that I've talked about so much is centered around us reclaiming control over our lives. That's not my vision. That's what was given to me through prayer. So it's God's hand in play here. And it's a real important perspective, in my opinion, of how we ultimately reset not only this nation but this world as long as they control our way of functioning, they will control us. But when we take back control of our lives from our food to what we make, to what we rely on, then we're starting to reset the power back into our lives. And when we put God involved in every bit of those steps in that breath, there's no stopping that. No stopping that at all. It isn't about where we're going. We know where we're going. That's already been answered when we accepted Christ in our heart. How we get there, that's the mystery. And it's one of the great parts of life is life should have that mystery because that's how we grow. But when we want to take all that away, we want to have the security to know that when I retire at 65, I'm going to have X number of dollars in my 401k, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be safe, and I'm going to plan on these things to do. These are the specific trips I'm going to take in between now and then. These are the jobs I'm going to take and the things I'm going to do to earn that much money. That's 
<laughs> That's not a life that God would have ever asked us to be part of. But we chose that. Too many of us did. So, time to choose. Ancient paths or not. Do we seek them or do we say no? Do we choose the wide gate, which is the easy path, or do we choose the narrow path, the path to life? I'll choose life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we sit here this evening and reflect before us on the paths that sit before us, give us wisdom to choose. We're reminded in Jeremiah 6.16, this is what you say, Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find a resting place for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Lord, too often we confuse resting place for our souls with a retirement of our bodies. It's not something that I think you've ever asked us to do. We need to find a place where we're walking in a greater unison with you, Father, a greater connection with you, Father, in each and every step. To me, Lord, as I sit here tonight, that seems the resting place for our souls. It's a place where we will be so in unison with you that what we continue to do and all that we seek to accomplish is given by our prayers in our hands and the gifts that you give within us. It's a place that we create. It's a place that we work together in fellowship. It's a place that we support one another. We defend our communities. It's a place where we are in unison in prayer and in that walk of faith. We have moved into a place in this world where our country and our leaderships in our leadership in our country and the country as a whole has drifted so far away from you, Father. So we pray this evening for a repentance to bring us home, a repentance to forgive us for these paths that we've taken, the paths that were easier, the paths that were well-trodden, the wide gate. No more. And so, Lord, we pray tonight for for all those that walk this path, the remnant and the many others that seek to find a narrow path. It's a difficult path. It's a path to life, but it's a path that is the great mystery that you've put before us to explore and discover. So thank you. Thank you for giving us such opportunity to dig deep, to learn, to hear, to see in ways we never imagined. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to trust in you like never before. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to step away from the safety and the security of what we thought, to walk boldly into a desert and to do so fearlessly. All it takes is our love in you. So, Father, guide us and protect us in this walk. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed night. A lot to reflect on, I think, right now for all of us to really get serious about what's coming. It's, I guess we might say it's game time because what's coming at us is a storm and it's unavoidable and it's not to be panicked at, but it's not to tally and to waste time. We have to get busy and buckling down getting focused on what we can do, what we can control, not fretting about that that's out of our control. Prayers are central to all of that to help us work closely with Father, to let him know what we need, and to unburden ourselves from anxieties and fears that may erupt. And also to work through the process of letting go. It's the mourning of the captain, my captain. It's time to let that be. We have a bold new world ahead of us. It will be a golden age of ascents, but it will be one well-earned, hard-trodden, but a, built by our hands and the love of God in each and every step. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. Our prayers are our grounding place on the rock of faith, our connection with God. 
God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But what a glorious time we are in, a time and a place for such a time as this, with an amazing mission. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific for Bended Knee and again tomorrow night for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.